Thanks for listening to the Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center podcast. For more information about the church and our ministries, go to bluffcityawc.com. And you can follow us on Facebook by liking our Facebook page, Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center, and find us on Instagram with our Instagram handle, bluffcityawc. studying about some kings, uh, five kings specifically, kings of the Amorites, and uh, I began to study and look at that. Uh, this morning in prayer, the Lord reminded me that uh, I actually have addressed this church body about these five kings already, so that was a great way to start the morning. I thought I knew what I was supposed to be doing, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, I've already talked about this, and are you sure this is the direction that you want me to go? He said yes. So, I look back to see, because I, I try to keep notes on things, and I look back to see when I had written notes about this previously, and it was one year ago this month. And so, I would like to take a little journey with you this morning. Before we begin, I would like to remind you that God's timing is impeccable. And it's perfect. Don't doubt or question God's timing. God said, you spoke about this before, and I'm going to try hard to stay around this pulpit. If you see me start to wander, somebody give me the eye, because I know I'm supposed to kind of stay back. And, and I forget, I get restless, start walking. But, but God spoke to me and he said, you spoke a year ago about this. I gave you a word to speak to the church ahead of the storm. To plant the seed that was needed within the church body. Now I want you to speak to that seed from this side of that moment. And watch that seed begin to break forth and begin to grow and begin to bear fruit. Let me tell you something Buff City, there was a seed that was planted within you a year ago. And God is beginning to speak to that seed. I want you to come forth. I want you to grow. I want you to bear fruit. I want there to be a change in the life of some of my people. Because there's a plan. I knew that some things were coming around the bit. See, God wasn't taken by surprise by anything that's happening right now. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't surprised. He he didn't say, "Man, I, I wish I'd have thought ahead a little bit about this." He already had something in place, if you will, yeah. a seed planted, and he's calling to it today. He's calling to it yes. this season. He's calling to it. Our lives are on track to intersect with the miraculous, life-changing plan of God this morning, and I believe that. And I need you to believe that. I need you to. To be able to reach down within yourself and say, even with everything that's going on, I believe that God is in control. Even with everything that we're facing in life, I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for it. Could you say that you believe that this morning? Yes. Amen. I've got a new Bible. I've got a new Bible. This isn't broken in yet. And, uh. This is, this is the uh, New King James Version. There's a scripture here that I would like to, to read for your thought. 
For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word that you received this morning, what you decide to take into your spirit, that's going to be what it is to you. That's going to be the work that is going to be achieved that God wants done in your life is dependent upon you in your reception of the word. Let's be prayerful for the next few moments as we take this journey. In Joshua chapter 10, we read a story about five kings or five rulers. These men began to plot against God's people. They saw Joshua and they saw the children of Israel and they saw what God was doing on their behalf and the victories that was being wrought, being won. And we see the king of Jerusalem, and I'll go ahead and mess these names up so you can enjoy the way I say it in my hillbilly lingo here. But we had the king of Jerusalem, Adonai Zedek, and he hears about what Joshua is doing and, and the the, the, the children of Israel that are sweeping across the land and the victories that are being wrought at, the, at their hand by the power of God. And we see that this man decided that he was going to call four other kings and they were going to meet and they were going to, to attack this city and they were going to destroy it before Joshua was able to, to intervene and to do anything. And so we see in, in Joshua chapter 10, the five kings of the Amorites, uh, the king uh, Adonai Zedek and, and the king of Jarmuth, which is Lachish, and, and uh, the king of Eglon. Uh, we see all these different men come together and they had a plan. They had a, they had a plot against the people of God. They decided that they were going to attack them and try to destroy them. But as we read on beyond these, these men... The men of Gideon saw that they were encamped around about by these kings. And they sent a message to Joshua, the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants, but come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal where he was, and all the people of war that were with him. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hands. Five different kings and five different kingdoms that had decided to stand against the plan, the purpose of God. And God told them, no man, not one of them, shall stand before you. The Lord said, fear not. And I would like to say this morning to this church body, fear not. Fear not. That's not just in addressing COVID. That's not just in addressing the state of the political scene. That's not just addressing the situations in, in your families or your finances. But that is everything that is all encompassing. Fear not. None of the kings that are trying to come against you, do not fear them. 
but be courageous. So we continue down, and we see in verses 10 and 11, and this text is smaller than my other Bible. So I'm going so the Lord routed them, talking about these five kings that Joshua comes and he's, he's doing, he's, he's engaging in battle. It says the Lord routed them before Israel and chased them along the road that goes from Beth Haram and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Haram. That the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven upon them as far as Azed, as, yeah, from that place, and they died. See, what excites me about that is that I can be confident and know that God fights for his people. Yes. See, not only do we not have to be afraid, but the reason we don't have to be afraid is because God is on our side. God is doing battle for us. We see that God is participating in the battle. It's a commission that he's sending us on. It's not just something that he sends us on our way and, and wishes us good luck and, and, and I hope everything works out for you, but it's a, it's a commission. It's something we're doing together with him. It's something that we're doing hand in hand with the king of all glory. I'm thankful to know that we have that power. We've got that authority in our life. Amen. So thankful to know that God is doing a work. And so we see that the story many of us know, they pursue their enemy. They don't stop when, the, when, the, when it seems like victory is sure, but they continue all the way to the end of the battle. And we see that there comes a moment when, when Joshua spoke to the Lord and he says, Lord, I need, I need you to give me a little more time. Sun, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley. So the sun stood, stood still and the, sun, uh, the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. They were given enough time in the season to fulfill and to complete and to see executed the judgment and the purpose and the plan of God. Yes. Now on this journey, these men are valiantly fighting. And they're winning a great victory. But before they begin to pursue, before they begin to, to, to uh, take their revenge against the army, there were these five kings of the Amorites. Five kings of these, of these men of war. That in the moment that battle began to become heated, in the moment that things seemed to look like they were going to lose, these five leaders fled and they hid in a cave. Well, they were found where they were. And Joshua said, put some rocks over the front of the cave and stand guard. I want you to make sure that they stay where they are because we're coming back and we're going to address these five kings. We're going to go take care of, of the lesser enemies. We're going to continue on and we're going to strike down and we're going to destroy the lesser enemies before us. And when that's finished, and when victory is won, then we're going to turn back and we're going to go to the root of the problem. We're going to go to the leader 
if you will, the authority behind this battle. And we're going to address these five kings. Keep them in the cave. Keep them where we can find them when we come back. Keep them where we can get our hands on them. So in, in verse 16, Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set the guard. And do not stay there yourself, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. So they make an end of killing them, and they return back. And we begin to see how Joshua deals with these men, these kings that's in this cave. In, in uh Joshua 10 and verse 22. It says, Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave. Bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so. And brought out those five kings to him from the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Elatius, and the king of Eglon. And so it was that when they brought out those kings to Joshua... That Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. He wanted their enemies to be under their feet. He wanted their enemies to be placed in a position of submission. They wanted the people of Israel to understand and to recognize that their enemy was defeated. And he said, Put your foot on the neck. And hold them down in a place of submission. Because they had been defeated. And these men drew near. And they did so. And Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, but be strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. I'm thankful today to know that God is still in the business of putting our enemies under our feet. Yeah. I'm thankful to know that he's still in the business of yeah. taking the complications of life and placing them underneath our feet. Right. I'm thankful to know that we can still begin to worship and dance and we can stomp upon our enemy. We can begin to press and tread him down under our feet because God has given us the authority and the power and the victory to tread upon him. I speak today to fear and to doubt. I speak today to prayerlessness. I speak to the cares of this life. To every identity crisis that has been wrought against the people of God. And for that, that spirit that would try to steal our tongue and our voice. That would try to cause there to be a failure to speak. Those enemies are under our feet today. We are being presented with an opportunity to walk upon them. And make no mistake, those spirits, those enemies have, have decided, tried to, to, to dismantle and destroy the church body and, and the family unit and, and us as individuals. It's his desire to, to, to stop us from doing what God has called us to do. To stop us from being who God has called us to be. To stop us from having the victory that yeah. God has spoken that we will have. Uh, yeah. And to cause us to doubt. To, to cause us to fear. And I'm here today to curse those spirits. Uh, I'm here today to call out those five kings. Uh, to call them out of the cave. Uh, and tell them we're here today uh, to, de to determine their fate. Uh, 
Do not be astonished. Do not be full of fear, for the Lord our God goes before us to prepare the way with his signs in his mighty hand. We've got to do as Joshua did. Hold these five steady. We'll be back to finish you off. I'm going to finish these off, the ones that are running before me. And then he returned to complete the task in hand. There's got to be a follow-through. There's been much territory won here in Bluff City. We have fought side by side in a commission with Almighty God. But the adversary wants to steal that victory back. Every day that we live, every day that we awaken, there's a claim and a counterclaim to territory that has been won. I refuse to allow territory to be taken back. Let's drag those kings out of the cave. Let's drag those rulers out and let's break them completely and utterly destroy them and bury them in their own land. How many of you are tired of the adversary tormenting your family, tormenting your own mind, tormenting and taking and distracting and detracting from things that you know God wants to do? I, for one, am ready to see the destruction of these five kings. I speak even now against the fear they would try to creep in to the hearts and the lives of, of my brothers and my sisters. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, the scripture tells us, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's not his will for us to live in torment. It's not his will for us to, to go to sleep at night and feel fear. It's not his will for us... And, and I'm not talking about not taking precautions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about while we're taking precautions to be consumed and feel fear. Right. It's not God's plan. It's not his purpose for us. And I believe that God has given me a special authority over fear. There was a day in my life that I lived in fear, consumed with fear. I carried multiple uh, weapons on my person and in my vehicle at all times. I'm not saying there's anything against concealed carry or whatever you're doing. I'm saying that in my life, it was a spirit of fear that was consuming me and trying to destroy me. I slept with a pistol under my pillow. I showered with a pistol in my, it stuck inside of my uh, towel so it could be right beside me. The spirit of fear had me and consumed me. And there was a day in prayer the Lord spoke to me and he said, Steve, has, has your gun ever jammed? Has it ever misfired? Have you ever missed your target? And I said, yes, I've had my gun jammed before. And, and yes, I have had rounds misfire and not go off. And yes, believe it or not, even a hillbilly like me misses the target sometimes. He said, Steve, I lay before you today the opportunity. If you will lay your gun down and never carry it again out of fear and to try to protect yourself, I'll never misfire, I'll never jam, and I'll never miss the target. And I chose that day life over death. 
because fear was going to kill me. And I laid it down. And I've not carried a single gun in fear from that day forward to protect myself. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Understand, there was, this was a personal, one-on-one -on -one interaction between the God of glory and myself. He delivered me from fear that day. And I believe because he delivered me that day, I have the sword of that giant in my hand that I can do battle against the spirit of fear. I believe when you win a battle against an adversary, you begin to take authority over that and you can begin to minister into the lives of other people. Yeah. Right now in the name of Jesus, I take authority over and I bind the spirit of fear in the lives of the people under the sound of my voice. And I lose perfect love to cast out all fear in the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority and I bind fear in this place in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, if we were to look into uh, 1 John chapter 4, the way that this chapter is written, it, it's to me it's a little backwards because we see in verse number 18, the scripture tells us that there is no fear in love. But that perfect love casteth out fear. Perfect love. Well then if I step back to, to verse 17, I see that the scripture says, Herein is our love made perfect. Okay, so perfect love casts it out. I go back and here is, here's how perfect love is made perfect. It's made perfect so that we have boldness in the day of judgment. And because he is, so are we in the world. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so am I in this world. Herein is our love made perfect. We step back to verse 12 and we see it says that if we love one another, God dwells within us and his love is perfect in us. That's how there's perfect love. If we love one another, God dwells within us. Our love is perfect. His love is perfected in us. So when our love is made perfect, then perfect love casts out fear. That's not my words. That's the scripture. When we begin to love one another, let the love of God be in us and flow out of us, that love is perfect. And fear has to leave. I believe that this church body loves itself as much or more than any church body that I have been a part of. And I'm thankful for that. Would you agree that you love your brothers and sisters here? Amen. Amen. See, there's a power in the declaration and there's a power in, in saying, yes, I verbally, I verbally declare what you're saying is true. Amens aren't important to me. I'm not concerned if you amen me. What I do want is for you to amen the word of God that you believe is true. Yeah. See, this is no different in this setting than if we were over there. Right. We've got a little more room to cut a rug. In fact, if you want to run a lap, people with a bigger family gets to run a bigger lap. Since you've got two chairs, you're going to do a pretty tight little radius there. But I'm going to say it. Be responsive to the word of God. 
and let it come to life inside of you. Just as we read in Thessalonians, the first scripture, it'll become what it is that we receive from the word of God. Not Steve Uzel, but from the words of God, the written word of God. It can become life unto you. So we see that perfect love casts out fear. And we continue down to verse 20. If a man says, I love God, but he hates his brother, he's alive. For he that loves not his brother whom he can't see, all your beautiful faces, then how can he say that he loves God whom he has not seen? This is where we're going to find perfect love revealed. This is where we're going to find perfect love personified. This is where we're going to find our ability to put our foot upon the neck of our adversary yes. if we love one another yes. and show that love and pray for one another as if we wanted them to pray for us. Yes. Love one another. Amen. Fear can be cast down. Thank you, Jesus. The next key. The next key that, 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 that the spirit that wants to quench our relationship with God. He wants to quench it through prayerlessness. He wants to quench it with shutting our mouth so that we don't have that relationship. How many of you know that it's important to communicate? And how many of you know that the, the biggest enemy to communication is thinking you have when you have not? That's where active listening comes in. That's where my wife and I have to revisit sometimes because I think I hear what she says and I, and I don't. And so it's important sometimes for me to listen and then repeat back what I think she said so that she can correct me because I wasn't listening very good. But it's, it's a skill that goes beyond just the natural. We've got to be listening to the voice of God and then we've got to express it back. It's important that we have a life of prayer, not just a prayer life. Yes. Not just an hour of power, if you will. Not to clock in and to clock out. But to spend our life, every day of our life, walking and talking with Jesus. I'm so thankful that we know who He is. The song we heard as children. I thought His name was Andy. Andy walks with me. And he talks with me. His name is Jesus. But he does walk with us. And he does talk to us. And he does want a reciprocal relationship of listening and speaking. It's imperative. Romans chapter 8 tells me that I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height depth or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from Him. Nothing can separate you from Him. Nothing except you and your decision to be prayerless. That's all. And like any relationship when we discontinue speaking while he stays in this position, we begin to fade. He's not going anywhere, but we begin to fade away. We've got to pursue him, and we've got to reach for him. 
and we've got to call out on his name. When we wake up in the middle of the night, we need to speak his name. When we see situations arising in our families, we need to speak his name. We need to call on him when we have needs. But we've also got to spend time of intimacy with him. That king is not going to take my relationship with God. And the king is not going to steal my peace. In Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the word says, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. That doesn't mean, hey, be careful, don't trip. That means don't be full of care. Don't allow yourself to be so consumed and filled with the cares of this life that you begin to lose your focus and you begin to, to become prayerless and and you begin to be overwhelmed by the things you see. Don't be full of care. Well, how do I deal with that? How, how do I keep that from happening? Well, it continues to say, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Take them to Him. Father, I have a care. Well, how do I know that it's a care? How do I, what is causing pressure in your life? What is causing concern in your life? What is it in your life that is causing you to feel concern? Take that and hand it to him. And step back from it. And let him have it. Don't walk out the door and pick it back up. Let him have it. Let him keep it. Okay, I've done that. I've done that before and I've walked out to my car and I've shut the door. And the minute I shut the door, it's back. So what do I do? cast it again. I trust you. Father, this is causing pressure in my life. I have this situation before me. I don't have the ability within myself to address this. Or maybe I do, but I still feel pressure. I cast that. I give it to him. And every time it comes back, and every time it enters my mind again, every time it begins to create pressure in my life again, I cast that care upon him. Because he says in his word, be careful, be full of care for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And when you do this, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Yes. I want to tell you this morning, if you will choose to cast your care upon him, he will care for you. He careth for his people. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm teaching you some stuff this morning that you maybe have already heard. But it's going to be repeated in your spirit this morning. There's got to be a grasp of what we're talking about. So that God is able to bring us and elevate us to a position that he can use us for what he wants to use us for. The king in the cave is not going to steal my identity. In the revelation of who I am. In 1 John chapter 4, in verse 17, we see the scripture says, Herein is our love made perfect. We read that a minute ago, didn't we? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. That's a pretty big sandals to fill. He 
trusting us in his stead upon this earth. That feels a little weighty to me sometimes. But it doesn't have to feel impossible. Because he gives us the grace. He gives us the ability. He empowers us to do what he's called us to do. John 14, 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, Jesus speaking, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. He goes to the, that's Jesus before he ascends into heaven, and he had promised moments before that he would send back the Comforter, the Spirit of God, who if we have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues, know that he resides within us. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That really makes me excited to know that, the, that God Almighty has chosen a human vessel to dwell in. And that's his plan. And that's his purpose. And that is what he has designed and desired to do. I would like to say to a JL this morning, who maybe feels like you don't have a whole lot to offer. When the timing is right and the season is right, the enemy comes before you. You pick up your peg and you pick up your hammer. And you drive it through your adversary and destroy it. I would like to say to a Shamgar this morning, who seems to have not much to fight with, but in his hand there's an ox goat. Anyone know what an ox goat is? It's a sharp pointy stick that you poke an ox with and you go to him and keep on moving, keep pulling the load, keep going. And he took that ox goat, seemingly very little to offer, and he wrought a great victory in killing Philistines that would come and try to attack uh, the people of God. Moses took his staff in his hand. And we know the story, right? That he goes before Pharaoh. And he's told to cast that staff upon the ground. And he does it. When he does, it turns into a serpent to show the power of God. Well, Moses, like most people, sees a snake and he's ready to get gone. And he's taking some strides. And the Lord says, take the staff, take the, the serpent back up. And when he does in obedience, reach down and pick it up. It turns into a staff again. God over and over uses that staff, that seemingly uh, very simple item. He uses it over and over to show his power and his might. It doesn't matter what you have in your hand. It doesn't matter what you feel like you don't have in your hand. God will take it and use it. Elisha took the mantle and he used it. Ehud, it was called in the scripture, a left-handed man. He took a different approach. This is kind of an Ehud approach right now. Wouldn't you say, Pastor Williams, this is a little different approach what we're doing here today. Maybe it's left-handed, but God uses the approach and the left-handed approach for his purpose, for his glory. When we give God what we have, He'll write, there'll be a great victory. There'll be a great victory. The word impossible can be changed very quickly with one simple apostolic apostrophe. When you place that apostrophe between the I and the M, it goes from impossible to I'm impossible. 
possible. What God's plan in my life is, is possible. What God intends to do in Bluff City is possible. What God intends to do in my family is possible. What God intends to do in, in my life is possible. And when we add that apostolic apostrophe, it creates a contraction. A contraction that can birth the miraculous if we'll allow him to do what he desires to do. And the last king that I want to talk about, that fifth king that I want to, I want to talk about, is a king that wants to take our voice and shut our mouths. And this is, this is the one that I'm fighting the most. This is the king that I am having to address right now in my life. Because there's nothing the enemy wants more than to shut the mouth of God's people. It says in the scripture we're overcomers by two things. You're saying by the blood of the Lamb by the word of our testimony. God said he wanted to reveal his sons this year. What better way can he reveal his people than by showcasing his power through their life? And he wants to reveal his glory this year that all of creation can see it. And what better way can he do that than by providing opportunities for adversity? Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The words that we speak, every word that comes out of our mouth, Scripture says will be judged. Every idle word is going to be judged. It's that important. But I believe that every word that we speak, it's like a, a cobblestone or a brick road. In every place that I want to put my foot down, the words that I speak are the bricks or the stones that are going to be there or not as I put my foot down. I can speak faith and I can speak the plan and the purpose of God and I can speak life and I can speak hope and I can speak of His glory and I can speak of His power and I can walk a path that He wants me to walk that is going to lead me to a destination where I can see the miraculous happen in my life and the life of those that I love and care about. Or I can keep my mouth shut and there's no road built before me. And I'll stand here and I'll stagnate and I'll become weak and I'll become anemic. And until someone comes along and takes me by the hand and begins to encourage me to speak. Just the way the Lord did to Ezekiel when we see in Ezekiel 37. He says, uh, God is speaking to Ezekiel saying, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, well, Lord, you know. That wasn't good enough for God. God said to him, prophesy unto these bones. And you say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God can speak it, but He wants it to come through us. God is going to speak through someone. It's got to be someone that will submit and allow His, his voice and His words to flow through them. It's up to us to declare the words of the Lord. What is He speaking into your life? 
When you're in, in that moment of prayer, if you're listening to his voice, what's he speaking into your life? Declare it. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Get up and speak it over your children when they sleep at night. I declare the hand of God is upon you. I declare that you're anointed for a purpose. I declare that God has a plan for your life. Hold your wife or your husband's hand and begin to speak into your marriage. Speak into your family. Speak into your community. Begin to gather together with the people of God and begin to speak life over situations that look dead. I don't care if it looks dried up. I don't care if it looks hopeless. God has a word he wants to speak through you. And if you'll let him, life will come. Life will happen. Life will return. I believe this morning that if you will receive the word of God, you can put your foot upon the neck of your enemies and you can see victory. You can see the plan and the purpose of God brought to fruition in your life. Yes. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. So it's very simple. Ezekiel said three words that just says it all. So I prophesied. He said it. I believed it. So, I prophesied. Yep. And as he prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to this bone. God began to do a miracle. God began to, to bring forth life. An entire army mm -hmm. was brought back to life. There's an army of people surrounding us right now in Bluff City. It's an army of people that don't have the breath of life inside of them. There's an army of people in Missouri that doesn't have the breath of life inside of them. There's five kings that are still having their way with the people. Fear and doubt. If you've got Facebook, you see it every single day. There's fear consuming people. I talked to a man yesterday that works in the, in, in the jail system. He said there's so much oppression and depression there that it even affects the workers. And he said, out of 20 workers in the last three months, three of them have committed suicide. They're just working there. And the joke among the other employees as they're leaving for the weekend is, I want to go home and kill myself. Because you never know who is going to come back. I work in St. Louis at Boeing for Boeing. There's a guard there over the weekend that took his life in a guard shack. He has no hope. And I worked there.
understand I can't be everywhere and I can't see every person, but was I listening well enough that I could have heard the voice of God? I want that king of fear. I want it dead. I want my foot on his neck. Because that man entered into eternity. Get my foot on the neck of prayerlessness because I can't let my own petty problems and, and, and distractions in my life to keep me from being prayerful, to keep me from being able to hear the voice of God that would lead me to be in a position that I could reach that man or someone else like it. I've got to get my foot on the neck of that king of, of of cares. You've got to get those cares casted upon the Lord so that I can focus beyond the things that are causing pressure in my life and I can begin to focus on what He wants to do, the commission that He wants to work with me in my life. He's got a purpose for us. And it's not just to survive. Right. It's not just to get by. If we could recognize and get our foot on the neck of the king that's causing an identity crisis and a misunderstanding of who we are. My God, if we knew who we were. If we understood what God wants to do through us. Revolutionize the way we interact with people and the way we interact in our lives and our families. It would revolutionize the way we speak. And it would absolutely put our foot on the neck of a failure to speak. Because if you know who you are and you know the power that you carry in your words, you will speak. You will make declarations. And I declare this morning that from this day forward, there's going to be victory in the lives of the people in this building in a bluff city apostolic worship center. I declare that our foot is on the neck of fear and of doubt. I declare that our foot is on the neck of prayerlessness. 